when it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. See you. 
Pushing every end of the side out of my way Cause I want to know Faith 
right, if you'll stand and join us.
Well, good morning. It's certainly good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. And um, we are running short-staffed today. Uh, so Nancy is leading music from the sound booth so that she can run the computer and sing at the same time. Uh, so with that said, if uh, you would love to learn how to help us with the video, we sure could use you, and uh, we'd appreciate anyone that would be willing to learn that. And uh, if nothing else, just to fill in on days like today when our, our normal video tech is taking a day off of vacation and things like that, uh, sometimes we need an extra set of hands, and we would appreciate that. So if you'd love to help us with uh, the sound or, or the video, Nancy would love to talk to you concerning that. I hope you picked up a bulletin on the way in. Uh, just a couple of things there I want to make note of uh, very quickly. And uh, one of those uh, being that uh, next Sunday is Homecoming Sunday. Uh, those of you uh, that's been with us uh, for a, a couple of years, you may remember a young man named Reverend Billy Rice. He was our Minister of Youth and Children, our very first full-time Minister of Youth and Children. He's going to be coming back to preach our homecoming message so he and his family will be with us next Sunday morning for homecoming. And then uh, after service, we're going to be having, uh, of course, our, our homecoming meal. And we want everyone to stay and eat with us. It doesn't matter whether you're a member of First Baptist Church or not. We want you to stay in fellowship with us around the table. And that is a catered meal. So you don't have to worry about uh, ladies or, or even the guys that may cook. You don't have to worry about cooking all day on Saturday or getting up earlier on Sunday and finishing things up and bringing food with you that will be a catered meal. So we hope that uh, you'll plan uh, to be here for homecoming Sunday, next Sunday, and also stay with us for the meal. wanted to uh, let you know that uh, there's a couple things happen happening later today that you need to be aware of. They're not in your uh, bulletin, so I wanted to make sure you knew about them. One is that uh, our team, our family ministries team, and all of the ministries that fall under that team, which I think is our nurseries and our kids' uh, ministries and our youth ministries, things of that nature, all of our workers that are going to be involved in our family ministries team, you guys are having a meeting this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Uh, and that will be Fellowship Hall, youth building, in the youth building, by, uh, the building behind us. So that is at 5 o'clock. And then uh, long-awaited and much-anticipated, uh, this, this evening at 6 o'clock, we're going to be kicking back our, uh, our kids' ministry back off again, a new launch of our children's ministry. So from 6 until 7 o'clock tonight, we have what's called D-Kids, or Discipleship, uh, for kids, and that will be over in the chapel building, uh, and it will be from 6 until 7 o'clock, and that is for all of our, our kids who are 3 years old that are potty trained from 3 years old through 5th grade. So uh, we want to encourage parents and grandparents to have their children here tonight from 6 to 7 in the chapel. Uh, we've had a lot of folks asking when we were going to start our children's ministries back up, and that's one of the things that we'll be doing today. So those are two things that are not in your bulletin that I want to make sure 
that you're aware of. And, and I had a conversation with Miss Caitlin just a little bit ago, and she is registered at Amazon. So those of you that may be looking to get uh, Samuel and Caitlin a, a, a wedding shower gift, uh, she's registered at Amazon, and she also takes $100 bills. So there you go. Um, you can uh, make sure you bless them as they start their marriage out together. If you have your Bibles, would you join me this morning in the book of Ephesians? The book of Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Uh, Brother Zach is at home uh, quarantining. Uh, we, uh, Courtney had uh, COVID this week, and so now he's having to quarantine as well, and uh, Brother Brandon is preaching at Bethel Baptist Church for their pastor who has COVID today. So uh, our, our our preacher guys are, are scattered abroad today, but I'm glad that you're here. Hope that you're healthy and strong, and uh, if you've been able to avoid that virus so far uh, as it makes its rounds back uh, in our area again. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 6, uh, as today we look at... Uh, an introduction uh, to biblical community. But here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you again for allowing us to be here today, Lord. We, we thank you for the privilege that is ours to be able to, to gather openly uh, and unashamedly and worship together as the body of Christ. We thank you for every person who's made their way here this morning into this building. And God, we pray that today our hearts will be open toward you. That Lord, as you speak to us, we'll be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. May all those things of uh, this past week that uh, still are tugging at the corners of our mind, Lord, when we be able to set those things aside, those things that are waiting for us in the week to come that may already be causing us anxiety or stress or worry and uh, calling for our attention, Lord, I just pray that we'll be able to set those things aside and that for this little while, Lord, you'll have our undivided attention. Speak to us now, Holy Spirit, we need to hear your voice we need, Lord, to have a fresh word from heaven today, and we pray, God, that during our time together, truly, uh, we will be in your presence because we know that you are in ours. Lead us now as our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. A new series that we're going to be kicking off, uh, we're starting it today, Me to We. Uh, what does it mean to have biblical Community, that's a buzzword right now among Christians and Christian leaders. But the big question is, okay, what does it mean? What does biblical community mean? If it's something that is, is being sought after, if it's something that's being taught, if it's something that's being pursued, then what is it? How do we know when we have it? How do we know what we're chasing here? Biblical community. 
I think that we began by defining the word community, first of all. And the dictionary defines the word community as a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. A feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Now, if that's what community is, then what is biblical community? Biblical community is sharing fellowship with each other, and our common goals and attitudes and interests and goals is simply this, our relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what unites us together. It is the cross that we rally around. That's where biblical community takes place. It's because each person who is saved by grace has been saved by the same blood, has been, has been saved by the same Savior, has been redeemed by the, the, the same Messiah, has been made part of the same family and the same body under the same God. So we have that in common. That's what our common uh, goal, attitude, interest is that brings us into biblical community. Now that's what Paul's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. He's talking about biblical community. It's been rightly said you cannot have community without having unity because it's literally in the word. You can't have community without unity. Now let's be careful to understand that unity is different than uniformity. Those are two totally separate things. Unity is believers living in harmony with one another. Where uniformity is believers living in compliance with a a legal standard that makes everyone the exact same. And so let's not confuse unity with uniformity. Unity is relationally based. It's based on our relationship with each other and our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our relationship with the body of Christ. While uniformity is legally based. It's based on rules, regulations, standards, things that must be adhered to and, and kept as a, so making all of us the same. So let's make sure we understand that what God is calling for us to have is community, and that is unity as harmony in the body of Christ. We don't all have to think alike. We don't all have to do the same things, like the same things, dislike the same things. It doesn't mean that we all have to have the same perspective and attitude in anything. But it does mean that we choose to live in harmony with one another because we are part of the body of Christ. Biblical community is found when a group of believers choose to live in harmony with one another by focusing on the understanding that since they have been brought to life by the Spirit of God, made partakers of the kingdom of God, and adopted as the sons and daughters of God through Jesus, now we act like a family. Now, you know how family is. Some families are, are better than others, and maybe your family, you quarrel all the time. Maybe you got family members that you just don't get along well with. We're not talking about a family that is a, a family of uh, in dispute. We're talking about a family that's living in harmony with one another. 
So this morning, using a commentary from a gentleman named Dr. Roger Pascoe, who's president of the Institute of Biblical Preaching at Cambridge, Ontario, I'd like to share with you today three insights into biblical community. So the question we're going to ask today, and I want you to ponder today, is number one, are you participating in and living in biblical community? So what's those insights? What does... Uh, we, what do we need to know about biblical community? First of all, we need to know, and the first insight is this, that biblical community is demanded by our common calling. That's what Paul speaks to there in verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. Well, what is it that you have been called to? Every truly born-again believer has been called into the family of God. You have been called into a new family. It's it's not a family that maybe you were were physically born into. It may not even be a family family that you physically live near, but it is nonetheless a family, and it is the family of God. You've not only been called into uh, the family of God, but you've also been called into the body of Christ. You've been called into the church, which is the body of Christ. So when he says, walk worthy of the calling, he's saying, number one, when you look in the mirror, can I tell you, if, you are, if, you're, if you're saved by grace, can I tell you what you're looking at? You're looking at a born-again son or daughter of God. You are looking at a prince or princess of heaven. You are looking at someone that God loves so much that he was willing to lay down the life of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that you could be born and adopted into his family. So listen, no matter what anybody else may say of you, no matter what anyone else may think of you, you sir, you ma'am, if you've been born again, you are a child of the living God. And you have been called into his family. But you've also been called now into his body, which is the church. You see, sitting around you today, maybe people you don't know their names, you may not know where they live, You may not be sure of what they do for a living, if they are working in public work or if they're retired or if they're homemakers or whatever it may be. You you may not know them that well, but can I tell you something? That if you're born again by, by God's grace and they're born again by God's grace, that person is your brother or sister in Christ. You are part of their family. They are part of yours because you are part of the body of Christ. So we have been called by a common calling. Now, here's the thing that that I want us to understand. We may, in theory, understand that we've been called into the family of God. We may, in theory, understand we've been called to the body of Christ. But the question is, does our practice reflect what we know? If we know we've been called into those things, does how we live reflect what we know? Does it reflect our position? Can I put it another way? Does our walk match our talk? 
We say we are a part of the body of Christ, the church. We say we are a part of the family of God. But does our walk now match that talk? Our question is, does our relationship with our family and with other believers reflect the, to the watching world that we are part of God's family and God's church? Can those who live around us, those who work next to you, those who know you best, can they say of you, I know that that individual is, has been born into the family of God. I, I, I see it. I, I hear it, but I also see it. Can they say of you, I know that that individual is part of the body of Christ, which is the church, because they not only hear it from you, but they see it in you as well. Can those around you? You see, the problem is so many who call themselves Christians, they give lip service to God and detach themselves from the body of Christ and isolate themselves from the church. But yet they call themselves Christians. Christians means little Christ. And the church is the body of Christ. How can you be a little Christ, but be isolated and detached from the body of Christ? How can you be in Christ Jesus, saved by grace, washed in His blood, saved on your way to heaven, but yet be detached from the body of Christ? You see, there's a problem there. Things aren't matching up. Things aren't, aren't measuring like they should. Hey, I, I had a guy tell me in, in one of the churches that I used to pastor. He said, Pastor, let me tell you something. I can worship God just as well on the lake on Sundays, catching that big large mouth bass as I can in church. And I said, well, I'm not going to argue with that. Being surrounded by the nature and beauty of God, I can see you being able to worship there. I can see you being able to sit on a, on a beach somewhere and being able to worship the God that created this ocean and, and all of those things. I, I can understand you being able to worship God in, in a mountain setting with the, the, the beautiful mountains in the backdrop. I can, I can understand that. But here's what I can't understand. How can you worship God apart from the body of Christ? How can you tell me that you can be one with God but not one with His Son? How can you tell me that you can, be, you can be one with Jesus but not one with His body? You see, there's nothing wrong with those things. And there's nothing wrong with those places. But we cannot allow being with the body to be substituted by being somewhere else apart from the body. We can't let it become our practice. You see, too many believers, too many believers detach themselves from the body of Christ, but yet call themselves part of the family of God. Can I tell you what heaven's going to be? Can I just go ahead and give you a heads up, according to the Bible? A family reunion. It's going to be a family reunion. Now, I'll be honest with you, the Rosses have never really had that many family reunions, and when they did have them, they always had them on Sundays at 1 o'clock. Well, guess who couldn't be there? But at the end of the day, heaven is a family reunion. 
It's when all of the sons and daughters that have been redeemed by God's grace, washed in the blood of Jesus, saved by Calvary, come together as one family in the house of the living God who is our Heavenly Father. So insight number one, a simply biblical community is demanded by our common calling. But secondly, biblical community is displayed in our common character. Paul gives us an interesting truth about the believer that these things are to be displayed in our life. And in verse 2 he says, With all humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he, he describes for us what the, 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 the characteristics, the character of those who are part of the body is supposed to look like. And, and he tells us two things. First, that the Christian character is formed internally. It begins on the inside. You see, that's where God does his greatest work to begin with, is in the heart of man. He begins to transform the heart. The moment you became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God moved into your life and began to work in your heart to transform you, to change you, to, to mold you, to shape you, and to the person that God saved you to be. And so that character is formed internally. And Paul gives us the bedrock of Christian character by pointing out that it's built on humility, gentleness, and patience. Now these, these are all aspects of character that are formed internally. And here's what I mean. Being humble is not something you do, it's something you are. Just like being gentle is not just something you do, it's something that you are. Being patient, though, I have to tell you, is not something you do, it's something you are, is being patient. Granted, you may be able to fake these these character traits for a short while, but eventually their internal absence is going to become externally evident to everybody around you. Now here's what I mean. You can fake humility for a while, but eventually your pride is going to begin to show. Uh, you can fake gentleness for a little while, but eventually your contempt will begin to show. You can even fake patience, but it won't take long for people to figure out that you're not a patient person. You see, these are things that can be faked, but they cannot be maintained. Because, listen, he's not asking us to put on a show. He's asking us for allow the Holy Spirit of God to do a work in our life to produce these things. So these Christian characters is formed internally, but they're displayed in practice externally. Possessing humility and gentleness and patience internally will reveal itself. Now, how does it reveal itself? He tells us right here. It reveals itself in our love, tolerance, and peace with other believers. See, that's, that's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And I want you to understand and I want you to notice that in this passage that Paul does not instruct us to create unity. That's not what he tells us to do. He doesn't say... All right, now, I want you to work hard and create unity in the body of Christ. That's not what he says. He says in the passage that I have, 
He says, preserve the unity. Or your translation may say, keep the unity in the Spirit. This unity already exists. When you become a believer, you are immediately unified in the body of Christ. You are immediately placed in the body of Christ. You are one with the body of Christ. Now the question is, do you maintain that? Do you keep that? Do you preserve that? Or do you let the world and the attitudes of the culture begin to pull you apart from that unity with the body until eventually you just fade into the sunset? Can I tell you what I have found? I bet you have found it too. That those who, who are truly born again saved by grace... That more times than not, when they are, when they are newly converted, when they are in that moment, when they are, they are a child born into the, the family of God, you can't keep them out of church. You can't. You can lock the doors, they'll break a window to get in. That you can't keep them out. But then something happens. Sin begins to creep into their life. Doubt begins to creep into their life. And suddenly that bond that bound them to the body of Christ begins to loosen a little bit. And and the more that sin goes unconfessed, the more that doubt goes undealt with, the bond becomes a little bit loose and more loose and more loose. And then finally, one day, you look around and you say, Hey, where's brother so-and-so? I ain't seen him in a while. Well, where's sister so-and-so? I hadn't seen her in quite a while. The bonds have been, the, the unity hasn't been preserved and kept. You, you see, there's, there's, there's something that happens. A guilty person doesn't want to be around unguilty people. Does that make sense? If I'm a bank robber, guess who I do not want to have lunch with? Mike Hervey. Chris High. Tony Capitosa. Pete. I don't want to have, I don't want to have lunch with these guys who are, who are either in or have been in law enforcement. They're going to see right through me. They're going to know exactly who I am. They're going to be able to see it. I don't want to have lunch with those guys. You know what I'm going to do? I see them coming. I'm going to go the other way. Because I'm guilty. The reason we slide out of church and we move away from unity in the body of Christ is because there's something going on in here that isn't right with God. There's something going on in here that isn't right with God. And so I began to take a step back from the body of Christ and unity with the body. And the more that stuff lingers, the more I step back from the body and unity with the body of Christ. And the more it lingers, I try to, I try to sink into the shadows. And maybe, just maybe, if I'm out long enough, they'll forget about me. And nobody will even know that I am gone. You see, while it is 
these character, this Christian character is formed internally. It is practiced externally. If the Christian character of unity has been produced internally in us, then we're going to express it practically by living like we are bound to those around us who are born-again believers, and we are bound with cords that cannot be broken, and we will fight, and we will fight, and we will fight to maintain that unity because it is precious to us. You see, when we let... When we let that unit, those bonds of unity break and begin to, to, to drift away from us and we choose not to preserve it, it's because it's lost its importance to us. Unity. Biblical community is demanded by our common calling. It's displayed by our common character. But then I want you to understand the third insight Biblical community is driven by our common confession. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's our common confession. That's the one thing that gives us all commonality. Listen, I wish I could be as tall as Hyatt Mullis. How tall are you now? About six foot twelve? I don't know. I wish I could be as good looking as Jose. I wish I could be as smart as some of you guys. I, I, I wish I could, I could be as athletic as some of you are. But I can't. That's not who Tommy is. You see, you may not like chocolate ice cream the way I do. I don't know what's wrong with you if you don't, but you may not. Some of you eat chitlins. I don't know how in the world you do that. I couldn't do that if you held a gun to my head. There's a lot of things that are different about us, right? We come from different backgrounds, raised in different homes, went to different schools. We like different kinds of foods and we like different kinds of music. And there's a whole, there's, there's a thousand things that divide us. Do you see that? There's a thousand things we can argue over. That's why churches split over the color of carpet. There's a thousand things that divide us. But what unites us is stronger than anything that divides us. Because what unites us is our common confession. One body. There's only one church of the living God. There's only one. Now, some of those parts may be Baptist, and some of those parts may be Methodist, and some of those parts may be Presbyterian, and some of those parts may be Church of God, and some of those parts may be Assemblies of God, and you can call whatever flavor you want, but it's still one body. One body. And we are all saved by one Savior. 
Every person that gets into heaven will get there the exact same way. No matter what part of the earth they came from, no matter what flavor of, of, of evangelical belief they come out of, no matter, we're all going to get to heaven the same way. We're all going to get to heaven by one Savior, covered in His blood, saved by His cross. You see, the Holy Spirit constitutes the body. I love what the Bible says that we are part of the same body and that God has placed every member in the body as He sees fit. He's placed every person where He wants them to be in the body. And He said there's going to be some who are eyes and say, well, I'm not important because I'm not an ear. Or some who will say, well, I'm a nose and I'm not important because I'm not the mouth. But then he goes on to say in Scripture, don't you know that you've been placed where you are in the body because God needs you there. And He wants you there. You're important to the body of Christ. And that's why we all work together at common confession. One body. One spirit, one hope. That one hope is to be like Jesus. And since we're one body, that means we have one head. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means we have one belief, faith in Christ as Savior. We are, we have one baptism, and that's the the baptism by the Holy Spirit into the body. We have one heavenly Father who is God Almighty and over all. Oh, what unites us is so much stronger than what divides us. You may like this kind of music, and I may like that kind of music, and that can divide us. I I, I may like this kind of service, and you like that kind of service, and that may divide us. But you see, what brings us together every Sunday in this building is not what divides us, but what unites us. The common confession. That we have true, (laughs) that's easy for you to say, true biblical community. Is when the people of God live in harmony with one another. Because they focus on what unites them rather than what divides them. It's through our relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That we can even participate in biblical community and that's what we've been called to do now i want to tell you over the last two years as moderator of our association and lord willing come october we're going to elect a new moderator hallelujah amen praise jesus you'd be surprised how many churches Just in the Stanley Montgomery Baptist Association. I'm not even talking about outside of our Baptist Association. I'm not talking about the the Methodist churches and the Presbyterian churches and the Assemblies of God and, and all of the other evangelical churches around us. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about just the the Southern Baptist churches in the Stanley Montgomery. You would be amazed at how many of them are at war internally. 
fighting over some of the most insignificant things. Folks, that's not what God's called us to be in the body of Christ. You don't have to like me, but God says you have to love me. You know the most commonly thing that's served at lunch on Sundays is the preacher? It's the music minister. It's the youth guy. It's that Sunday school teacher. Can't believe they did it. I can't believe they said it. I can't believe they did it. No unity. You don't have to like me. You don't have to like Nancy. You don't have to like Zach. <laughs> but God says you got to love us. Our common calling, our common character, and our common confession is what gives us biblical community. When non-Christians look at the church, here's what they should see. That's, that is one group of people that know how to love. They know how to love. They know how to love each other inside the church. And they know, they, they know how to love those outside of the church. When they look at the church, they shouldn't see a group at odds with one another, but rather a body that is so unified that hell itself can't divide them. That is what the world needs to see in the church. One of the things we set out to do seven years ago was try to create an opportunity for this kind of biblical community through such a silly thing. But it's our fall festival. That little church over there would do their fall festival in their front yard, and we'd do our, front, our fall festival in our yard, and that little church over there would do their fall festival in their yard, and that little church over there would do their fall festival in that yard. And you know what we said? Why don't we all just get together and do one biggin'? You know, you know what a biggin is, right? You're from North Carolina. Let's just, do, let's just do one large thing. Let's do it for the community. Instead of doing it for ourselves, rotting all of our own children's teeth out, let's go rot the community's teeth out. But the primary purpose was to get the churches together. Not just Baptist churches, but the churches that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and have been saved by grace to come together and work together in the, in the community. I'd like to tell you that it's been a great success, and the, the event itself has been, but trying to get that unity. Can I tell you something? Sometimes preachers are the worst. I'm being honest with you. Well, can I, will my church get credit? Well, will my church get credit if we show up? I don't care. 
We don't put First Baptist Locust Fall Festival out there. Now, listen, I hope you come. I don't care if you wear your First Baptist Church of Locust T-shirts or whatever else you may have with that name on it. I don't care if we put a booth out there. It's got a sign that says First Baptist Church of Locust. But it's not about us. It's about the church. So here's my question. Do we mirror the profession of our mouth with the practice of our relationship with the body of Christ? Can I ask a more personal question? Do you, do you practice biblical community and unity with other believers? Or do you try to stay as loosely attached as possible? Keep every... Keep, keep, keep the church at arm's length. Keep them over there. Wave at, wave at the church. Blow kisses to the church. But keep them over there. Today's a great day to make a commitment to be a part of the biblical community that is Locust First Baptist Church. So I'm already a member, Tommy. I've been a member for a while. And we praise God for that. But are you attached to the body? Are you one with those around you? Or are they just people that sit on the same pew with you? Are you one with them? My prayer is that First Baptist Church of Locusts Become known, not because we have to tell people. They just see it. That's a church that knows how to love. They love each other, and they love their community. They love the hurting, and the broken, the messed up. But most of all, they love each other. Just a moment, we're going to stand together, we'll sing together. Our hymn of invitation. This, this is our opportunity to make that, to make that decision. Do, do we want biblical community? Do we want it? I need it. I don't just want it. I need it. I need you. You, you folks, believe it or not, are part of me. And I need you. But we need to need one another as well. Do you practice biblical community? Let's pray. Father, Lord, there are so many things that try to pull us apart. There are so many things that try to drive a wedge between us. And Lord, we know it's so easy, it's just so easy for us just to detach ourselves, live in our own little world. But Lord, that's not the way you called us to function. As believers who have been washed in the blood of Jesus, who have been saved by grace, born again into the glorious family of God, You've called us now to be part of the body of Christ. 
Lord, if there's one in this room right now that has chosen to keep themselves detached at arm's length with the church, they know they're saved, they know they're on their way to heaven, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are saved by grace and washed in the blood of Jesus, but they keep themselves detached. How I pray, oh God, today's the day. That in their heart, the Holy Spirit of God, like the fire of desire, to be one with the body. Lord, if there's anything in our midst that may cause disunity, we, we plead by the blood of Jesus that it be dealt with and done away with. Lord, I pray that if there's one in this room right now who doesn't know you personally, who's yet to become part of that body, that today would be the day that your Spirit speaks to them and calls them to yourself, calls them to your family, calls them to your body. And they would be willing to repent of their sins, turn from doing their own thing, their own way. That they would come to you and find themselves at the foot of the cross, pleading, the blood of Jesus. They too may be saved, forgiven, washed clean, and born again into the family of God and into the body of Christ. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that you give us this privilege. We ask you to work in our midst now. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our hymn of invitation.
up. I don't know if I turn my... Huh? Does we have a video? I forgot it last Sunday too. All right, you can be seated while we watch the video. How's that? God has called us to offer relief to those who are hurting and help them know there's an eternal hope for the future. Serving others in Jesus' name takes on many forms, especially when it comes to a crisis like we've experienced this year in Ukraine. Two days after Russia invaded Ukraine, we began working to meet the needs of people escaping the conflict. North Carolina Baptists have sent teams to Poland to support relief projects there and have also worked with our longtime partner, Hungarian Baptist Aid, to assist their efforts. Volunteers have welcomed Ukrainian refugees crossing into Hungary and worked in warehouses that collect much-needed supplies. We've also sent medical teams into Ukraine to care for other displaced people. These efforts are just some of the many ways your gifts to the North Carolina Missions Offering are helping us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a hurting world. We are trying to be credible uh, Christians uh, in this uh, dire uh, situation to show them that it's not only a piece of bread, it's not only a mat to sleep on, it's not only a van that will transport them to their hopefully new home, but we are doing it because of the love of Jesus Christ urges us to do it. I do believe Jesus would want to be here. I mean, Jesus was a refugee, let's be honest, right, from birth. He, he, he will want to be with those who are suffering. And I, I just feel the presence of the Spirit here, despite what is taking place here. In addition to serving in Poland, Hungary, and Ukraine, Moldovan Baptists have asked us to help with their camp, which houses up to 300 Ukrainian refugees. Volunteers have worked in the kitchen, provided children's ministry, and helped with laundry and cleaning. Thank you for supporting the North Carolina Missions Offering. Your gifts are making a tangible difference in the lives of people who desperately need to know the love and comfort of a personal savior. Our work in Ukraine will continue after the war is finished. Those efforts will include rebuilding churches and community centers as the country begins to heal. Thank you for praying, giving, and going as we offer relief for today and hope for tomorrow. God has called us to offer relief to... Dear, kind, and gracious Heavenly Father, dear Lord, I just thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the time that we're able to come together and share together. Dear Lord, I just pray that the, the offerings that have been brought, that you'll just let us go out and do the good works that you've called us to do in our community and in our, from our church. Dear Lord, I just pray that you'll, if we're going to talk the talk, that you'll let us walk the walk. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
I'm going to close us with prayer, and then the ladies are going to lead us in one more song. How about if I just use hers? Is that on now? Thank you, Curly. I'm going to lead us in, a, in our closing prayer, and then, is it not? I'm going to pray. <laughs> and then they're going to sing. Let's pray. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, dear Lord, I just thank you for today's message. Dear Lord, I just pray that that you'll help us to, to have a heart of unity for our, our church, dear Lord. I just I just pray that you'll just you'll just bless our community and you'll just bless our church and, and let us just love one another in all the things that we say and that we do. In Jesus' name I pray.
Wanna be 